people are smart. <laughs> people have ideas. Mm -hmm. People are innovative in their own field and their own passions, right? Yeah. Some people are, you know, mathematically inclined. Other people are historically inclined. We got to bring people together and, and really bring those ideas together to make Milwaukee as vibrant and as successful as it can be. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is still to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Sam Woods, and today on the podcast, we have an election special, because next February, residents of Milwaukee will be voting in a primary election for mayor and their aldermanic district. Right now, there are a lot of candidates running for both mayor and for many of the aldermanic districts. And primary elections narrow those choice of candidates from a lot just down to two before the general election in April. So while they aren't the final choice for mayor and alderman, they are still very important. We'll include some information about primaries in the show description. Today's election special will feature Christian Saldivar, an aldermanic candidate from District 8, which encompasses the western portion of the near south side of Milwaukee. Note that we feature candidates for elected office on the podcast solely to provide information about who is on your ballot and to remind you to vote, not to endorse a particular candidate. Just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and like what we're doing, please rate and subscribe from wherever you get your podcast. It helps other Milwaukeeans find the podcast and get inspired to action. And if you're looking for further ways to support us, you can also support us on Patreon. We don't make any money from Bridges City, but by supporting us on Patreon, you help us maintain our website, meet our equipment needs, and keep us on air at 104.1 Riverwest Radio. So while you're listening, hop onto Patreon and support us today. Now, without further ado, I'll let Christian Saldivar introduce himself. First of all, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, my name is Christian Saldivar. I'm a first-generation Mexican-American, born and raised here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Currently running for alderman of the 8th Aldermanic District here in Milwaukee. My background is really in education. I've been okay. I've worked the, for the Milwaukee uh, uh, wraparound program as a crisis stabilizer for a couple years. I've also had the pleasure of going back to all the schools I ever uh, went to, and I was employed by them in some fashion. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been fun. All right. Yeah. So you, um, we were talking before. You're from the eighth district, right? Yep. Um, where in the eighth district did you grow up? What schools did you go to? How did you get the opportunity to come back? So I, uh, I was brought up actually in the twelfth district. I, I was raised off of seventh and eighth in Beecher, seventh mm -hmm. uh, originally, and I had an auntie that lived right off of eighth and Alma, which yeah. is right behind Casiasco, right there at the mm -hmm. dead end. Uh, so I went to St. Anthony's, Milwaukee, which is on 9th and Mitchell. Mm -hmm. I went there till, till fifth grade. Yeah. And I, after school, I would go to my auntie's house and we would be there. Sometimes we'd stay over there, uh, stay the night there uh, until my parents bought a home uh, on 34th and Arthur. Uh, I must have been about, I don't know, eight or 10. Yeah. Um, and I pretty much was raised there uh, most of my time. I went to St. Anthony's, Milwaukee. And after that, I went to Nativity Jesuit Middle School, mm -hmm. which was on 7th and Scott. I believe also in the 12th district. Um, and there kind of, it was a Jesuit school, so they really focused in a lot about, uh, the, the motto at the time was educating Latino youth for Christian leadership and service. And they really taught us a lot about, you know, the golden rule and really helping and having compassion and empathy for people. 
and really doing that while we're serving people and, and, and understanding why you're serving and how you're serving. After, the, after that middle school experience, I decided I wanted to go to Marquette University High mm -hmm. School because that's where everybody wants to go, sure. right? All yeah. the cool kids want to go there. It's the shining, <laughs> shining uh, high school on the hill. Yeah. Everyone's looking up to, I guess. It yeah. is. Uh, and, right? They're, they're called the Hilltoppers for a reason. Right, right. right. <laughs> well, I took, I took my talents elsewhere. I actually ended up going to St. Lawrence Seminary High School, which is an all-boys boarding school. Uh, fun fact, it's the biggest and oldest minor seminary high school mm -hmm. in the country. And uh, I went there and uh, I was surrounded by people from all over the world, people from Asia, from Saudi Arabia, uh, from Europe, uh, from all over the country as well, all over the US. And it was just a melting pot of diversity and I learned so much from people and I got to understand uh, people's different views on, on a lot of things. I mean, socioeconomically and politically. Mm -hmm. In high school, I was really involved actually in speech writing forensics, the Wisconsin uh, Forensic Association. So I wrote a lot of speech on nonviolence, on, uh, on drug abuse, and different topics, immigration. And uh, I actually had a full ride at Marquette University because of oh, that. Cool. And, and that was good. I did that for, for a couple years. And I really, I was tired of education is what mm -hmm. happened. I, I felt like I had got so much education. Like being in school or like teaching or? Uh, I think just being in school. Yeah. I loved, I love learning. Yeah. It's just, just so many years being in, in these college prep sure. environments. Yeah. and You can you learn know. outside of a classroom. It's yeah. totally all right. Yeah, <laughs> That's definitely. allowed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was at the age of 18, from 18 all the way to, to, to I was about 20 years old, I worked in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really taught me a lot about uh, senior citizens and their needs and, and, and the things that they are interested in. But the, at the age of 21, I dropped out of college. And I said, you know what, I don't wanna really, uh, I like school, but I like learning, but I wanna actually start um, finding out what it is that, that I wanna do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I became a crisis stabilizer through Milwaukee's wraparound program. Mm -hmm. And I started working with youth one-on-one, -on -one, uh, helping them with soft skills, social skills, and really just how can they assimilate into society and, and, and learn how to get along with people. And that really, for some, that they explain that as kind of like extreme social work, right? Because you're really dealing with all these behaviors and the, and the family structures and all these different um, things. So after that, I wanted to be in a place where, I, uh, who, who wishes for a nine to five, but I did at the time. <laughs> I was kind of burnt out at the time, you know? Sure, I was yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's, it's demanding work. If you're doing it right, it's demanding work. Yeah, so I, I went to work for Lad Lake Synergy South, which is in the mm -hmm. district on 28th and Grant. Mm -hmm. It's a behavior reassignment school. Uh, students that get kicked out of MPS without any services, uh, their last shot is through these behavior reassignment schools. And I'd be, I, at first I was the assistant to the secretary the first four months. And uh, then they started doing restorative justice circle groups, like peace circles. Um, mm. And uh, the principal um, mentioned to me that this man that was an ex-Black Panther, his name at the time was Shango, I believe. He was doing these restorative justice talking pieces with the students. And I was, in, I was interested in it. I was like, you know what? I, I asked them, you know what? You mind if I uh, take some time from filing and go and listen in mm -hmm. to some of these conversations that are going on? And he agreed. He said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I did that for about a month. And after um, Shango's contract was over, he was going to a different school probably. I asked, uh, well, the principal asked me what I had learned and he was surprised to see how much I actually had uh, retained, all the information I had retained and how passionate I was about continuing this work. And he allowed me to continue it. And I did that for the rest of the year, probably for another four months. And then at the end of the year, a position opened up as a behavioral coach, helping the principal create programs and, and build a program 
that kind of supports and keeps uh, young people's behaviors in check, you know, or just try to keep them acting in a positive way. And hopefully if we can get them to curve their behaviors within the school, they can reflect that and do that out in the real world in society. Yeah. Kind of bringing it back to the 8th District specifically, like what's great about the 8th District? Like if you if you aren't in this area of Milwaukee, what are you missing out on? I'd say it's it's definitely a melting pot of diversity. There's a lot of um, Asian um, restaurants off of National, uh, a lot of Hispanic uh, restaurants off of Burnham, if you go to El Señoral, or there's a new brunch spot, Orendas. Mm-hmm. I'd re- highly recommend. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was there their first week, had like a salmon, some kind of salmon sandwich. Yeah, no, I'd definitely That's recommend good, it right? as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think really in on the east and west, I mean, you got on, on the east, you have Cesar Chavez, you know, mm-hmm. 16th Street, and really just all the diversity and the Hispanic culture there. On the west, uh, you're right, you're right by Miller Park, you know, mm-hmm. you're right off of that um, very highly developed for the past 10 years, 43rd Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of businesses, a lot of a lot of action going on there. Uh, if you, if you go to the north, uh, right before you get to the St. Paul, where where the district cuts off, mm-hmm. uh, you have the Urban Ecology Center. Uh, you have a couple coffee shops there. There's certain areas that uh, that are starting to be a little bit more biker friendly, mm-hmm. and really just the old old school homes there. You know, there's a lot of old Frank Lloyd Wright homes, mm-hmm. uh, and and really right off of 27th, it's a sight to see. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and then you have uh, you know the old Sisters of St. Francis uh, Monastery there, mm-hmm. where the Lane Boulevard's West neighbors is stationed out of. Yeah, uh, based out of, and, and really there's just a lot of grassroots organizations that are popping up in the Eighth District. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we should be very excited about that. If someone that's looking to be a homeowner or even just looking for a new place to live, I think it's a, it's in the up and up. Really, uh, I, I just bought a home uh, uh, recently off of Greenfield and 38th, and that area in particular used to be a lot worse, and I think it's really up in the up and up. So for listeners who aren't up on you know Milwaukee aldermanic politics of the last 20 years, Bob Donovan was the representative for the 8th District for since like 2000, or yeah. I, w- I want to say 2000. So like it is. Yep. Yeah, he's been, he's been there a long time, but he's stepping down. So he's not running for re-election. Why did you decide to run, and why are you looking to take his place? Uh, I think really my background for the last 10 years in the community well, let's say about the, the, the last eight years is, is more accurate. Uh, being a crisis stabilizer, having cases in the district, uh, a majority of them in the district, uh, going out into the neighborhood and really starting to see the changing landscape, the people that live in the district and the make up the district. Mm-hmm. Uh, the district is about, to my knowledge, uh, 65% Hispanic. It's a huge Hispanic population uh, in the district. A lot of Spanish-speaking uh, people that live there. Uh, I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. I'm fluent in English and in Spanish. I'm bilingual. Um, and and that part, and really just working with at-risk youth and juvenile delinquents and working in the school systems and seeing the needs of a really effective uh, political leader or government leader um, within the community, someone that understands it has deep roots in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I thought that I really... F- um, uh, it crossed off a lot of those areas that I found that people needed. You know, that descriptive uh, representation I think is huge. Uh, someone to have, someone that has been through the same experience and understands that the public safety issues that are at hand or the things that need to be resolved. Uh, I think you need somebody, a leader or a mediator that can go and, and really uh, create a common ground between the people that are creating the issues and the problems and the people that want solutions to those mm-hmm. problems. Um, 
so that's one of the things that motivated me to do it. And I just feel like the Common Council in general needs a, a little bit of a facelift, you know. It needs some energy, some positive energy kind of put into it. And, and we need folks that, uh, on whatever side of the aisle they stand to kind of see the bigger picture and, and really go back to, you know, the, the social contract, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. We all want certain things out of our government and our, and our society, and we all expect certain things from people. Uh, to act a certain way uh, and really to, to abide by that golden rule to treat people how you want to be treated, whether it comes to littering or vandalism or, uh, or, or, or public disputes or private disputes between people. Uh, I think that you need somebody that, can, that, that is unbiased and that has dealt with that conflict resolution background, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where my background lays. Uh, I yeah. was, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So would it be fair to say that your... Um like leadership style is in mediation or like you would describe yourself as a mediator definitely definitely i, I think right. that's uh, that's one of the main reasons that i'm running I, I believe that the work that i've done for the past eight years in whether they're the private or the public or different settings i've also done a lot of sales and negotiation mm -hmm. and that's kind of where my business background comes in uh, there's always a right and there's always I think uh, a best way to do things you know mm -hmm. the razor theory the most practical when there's there's so many um, there's so many options and take the least complicated yep. one right yeah yeah I forget what exactly Occam's razor uh, yeah, yeah Occam's razor there yeah. you go thank you uh, you know so when it comes to the the way that I would love uh, to to lead is by example and that's why uh, I see a lot of uh, the people that are running, uh, they, they promise certain things. I kept my promises pretty simple, right? And so the point is that I'm gonna be uh, honest and straightforward. Um, I'm gonna make myself available mm -hmm. and I'm gonna be a straight shooter. And that's something that I can control. I'm not gonna come in and try to politic with people and tell them that I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna be the ultimate savior. Mm -hmm. And uh, cause that's just the old way of doing things. I think people really want somebody that's straightforward and, and and cognitive of the way that they are living. Really, I'm a big, big supporter of bringing direct democracy back to our neighborhoods, especially at the local level. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's vital, especially right now, how the national political stages, uh, just the chaos, you yeah. know, and bringing a little bit of sanity back into our politics and government. I think uh, that's something that people should know about me as mm -hmm. a candidate. That I am willing, and I have the energy, and I'm young, and I wanna I wanna talk to people, and I wanna create these town hall meetings whether it be at churches, schools, or even somebody has an idea of organizing something at a different place, uh, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. We should rally around and get people's perspectives because people are smart. Mm -hmm. People have ideas. People mm -hmm. are innovative in their own field, in their own passions, right? Yeah. Some people are you know, mathematically inclined. Other people are historically inclined. We got to bring people together and, and really bring those ideas together to make Milwaukee as vibrant and as successful as it can be. Yeah. So that's what I'd love people to know about me. We were talking before we started recording, kind of running through an abbreviated version of your platform. Yeah, the ABCs of a, of a strong and healthy uh, community. All right, what are those? Uh, well, first, A, address the need to the community mm -hmm. b is uh business creation and economic growth uh community development uh in other words making our neighborhoods attractive places to live work and raise a family mm -hmm. uh and the final one the one that i'm most passionate about and i feel i have the experience and i put the work in to address is safety and home security public safety is my number one priority living in a safe and secure home and neighborhood is the right of every citizen to that end uh some of the things that I want to do is just uh, address the problems of speeding vehicles, carjacking, 
carjackings, red light running, reckless and rigorous, uh, sorry, reckless and inattentive driving that incurred, that endangers our residents through traffic engineering and cameras, rigorous inform, enforcement and public safety education. Uh, kind of really bringing those things back into the school systems. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks are saying, you know, well, an alderman really doesn't have to do that. I'm not concerned of what, what I have to do and following my job description. I, I plan to, to work vigorously to do above and beyond what my job description is. And I think that's what a public servant at its at, at the heart of it is what they should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once in office, I think a lot of people, you know, just kind of get a little blurred with yeah. the power and the trip of it all. Uh, I hope that, you know, it's, it's funny because I was talking to someone and, you know, people have this kind of like a car salesman, right? Someone sees a car salesman, that's a car salesman. You already have these preconceived notions mm-hmm. of what a car salesman is. The same thing with a politician. Um, and I've gotten a lot of this for the past couple of months. People are like, oh, well, you know, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? People, there's a very uh, pessimistic way of looking at politics and government nowadays. My high school quote was, the, the kite highs flyest against the wind. It was the Winston Churchill quote. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I would talk to young people about was the, to differentiate between popular and proper culture. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to do that, and I want my campaign to be about that exactly, to debunking all these images or, 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 or preconceived notions that we have of, of what an alderman or a politician is, uh, and really having trust in, in, in the small things and the small things that you can do right mm-hmm. without overpromising. Sure, sure. So we can yeah. d- uh, dive a little bit deeper into the, the ABCs, right? Definitely. So, so in the safety and home security part, that seems to be very important for you. It's a yeah. theme that's come up throughout the interview so far yeah. is like everyone has the right to safety everyone has the right to feel like secure mm-hmm. in their neighborhoods and i don't think anyone would disagree with that um but making that happen can be tricky right mm-hmm. how how do we bring about a safer and more secure eighth district Definitely. uh some of the things i already mentioned really just you know uh it's addressing the problems of, of, of speeding vehicles carjacking red light how do we do that i think we have to re-examine um, the city's traffic patterns mm-hmm. um that don't serve certain residents and businesses, uh, including changes in signage, street design, street lighting, timing, and lanes. Uh, expanding like some simple as block watches, right? A lot of folks, um, we're so into technology and we're kind of constantly have our phone in front of our faces True. that we really don't like to conversate anymore with our neighbors. And one of the things that I want to do is change that culture within the district. And I think when you have a leader that's open and, and social with people mm-hmm. and is people friendly, I think that's a first step, you know, because towards changing that culture. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not one person that does Mm -hmm. it, but somebody that goes and and gives off that vibe to people in the neighborhood. And they're like, oh, you know what? You know, this guy's a public figure, a public servant. He comes in and he talks to me in a a very level and balanced way. And I used to tell people anywhere that I went to school, where I worked, whether it's at a nonprofit or a private company, um, when, when you get down to the level of the people that you're serving, they feel that. They know that they can communicate and they connect with you. Uh, so that's another thing that I, I would like to do. Uh, so not only expand black watches, but also neighborhood policing in certain areas in the district. Develop uh, beneficial police and community partnerships to eliminate stuff like prostitution, drug dealing, theft, and burglary. Um, and then there's a really try to implement the public safety action plan that was created a couple years back to engage community organizations, schools, businesses, and police to reducing like neighborhood crime. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we can go all day, really just, that's a whole other, um, you know, it's like a six, almost 70 page document uh, that the city, if you if you go on the city's website, you can find it. Sure, what are the highlights really quickly? 
the public safety action plan, yeah. uh, kind of like the pro- the prosecution unit, mm-hmm. neighborhood prosecution unit, where there there's certain things going on, whether it's you know drug dealing in a certain home or or house or area or um, disputes between neighbors or vandalism, certain things like that that the city and the the district attorney's office and those people down in mm-hmm. city hall. Um, can implement and really work with the neighbors. I mean, if, if people aren't re- are reporting any of these issues, then how can they be resolved? Sure, yeah. And really staying anonymous as well. I know mm-hmm. there's people that I've talked to in the yeah. neighborhood, they're like, you know what, I was told that I was gonna be left anonymous and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden people, and then we put those people's lives in jeopardy. Yeah. So I think really uh, publicly administering those services and promising and going through with our promises is vital to people mm-hmm. buying into those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you go on the website and you go into that uh, the public safety plan, you'll go and see the ins and outs. And really what at the core of it is really having people come together again, having people create that dialogue and creating that common ground between folks. Um, obviously, the people that are creating the problems are not going to be what, coming on board, uh, but really uh, finding a way to still work with them to curve those behaviors um, and, and to really kind of uh, create some type of peace and tranquility in those neighborhoods. That There's a lot of neighborhoods that... Haven't had it in a while. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned earlier, like in my like second question, we were talking about like things you've been through, um, stuff you've done with, you know, stuff you've done with your life. You mentioned you were in, uh, you worked with the city's wraparound program, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I, I guess my question is like, how do you implement the public safety action plan while also not throwing more people into the system that you saw in your in your experience with wraparound because that's question. a very delicate balance and like yeah. it can have unintended consequences right yep. so like how are you managing those unintended consequences before like before you're implementing this plan definitely that's a great question yeah. and that's something that I definitely want to stress is that I by no means uh, a lot of folks are like so you want to throw people more into the system no not at all mm-hmm. I just want to keep people accountable I want to make sure that people that are doing these these things, and really what it really bubbles down to, I can go into the specifics, but as long as um, you're not somebody that's cr- a chronic offender uh, of, of really getting into these uh, physical altercations with people or creating like uh, someone that's vandalizing or, or, or stealing from people in the neighborhood, I think that's how we differentiate. When it's something that is against maybe something or not a human, mm-hmm. I think that there's gonna be some that we can, ordinances that we can write that can differentiate between that. Uh, but if uh, one thing that I've also learned in just kind of working in, in school systems and really working with juvenile delinquents mm-hmm. is that sometimes how the law is written at the state level, what happens is that some of these youth understand the law and they know that how they can navigate it and kind of use it to and wheel it to, to their own uh, benefit. So I think we create something that, I mean, we don't give people 10 chances. I, I mean, I think that just, it raises the, the chances of them creating some type of, you know, catastrophe out in the neighborhood, whether they're stealing a car, speeding, and, and hurting other people. How many times do you, how many cars do you have to steal before, uh, you know, you get the, the book thrown at you is mm-hmm. the question. Uh, and that's something that I've, I've brought up to a lot of folks, and, and they seem to agree, especially in the neighborhood. So I think we have to be very, like you said, very careful about not creating a system that's just kind of throwing people into the system, but uh, really you create that bumper and you create those organizations. That's one of my main things besides the, you know, the the public uh, safety plan and, and the violence prevention program that they've created at the city level as well. Um, 
really creating that infrastructure for young people to be successful, yeah. right? If somebody doesn't want to go to school or they're a dropout and they have truancy problems, they're not showing up to school. The the schools and, and the city and the state are giving these um, these penalties and or these fines to, to families. Well, they, sometimes they can't even pay these fines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's counterproductive because they're not going to pay them anyways and they're just going, you know, yeah. Well, what else can we do? And that's kind of where my background lays. When I've, where, where, whether it's been at St. Anthony's Milwaukee or at Lad Lake Synergy South, uh, I was called upon to create these programs and these systems that keep people accountable. Mm-hmm. And I think that was at a micro level. And at a macro level, I think we could do the same thing at the city level or even for the 8th District, where we create these organi- organizations similar to the Running Rebels Community Organization. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, Great definitely. organization. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, And we have stuff kind of like Journey House. But I mean... How many organizations do you need to serve 40,000 people? Man, let's say even, not even all, if all 40,000 people don't um, benefit from these programs. Let's say a fourth of them do, 10,000. That's still a lot of people for one organization to be serving, you know? Mm-hmm. So in the winter and, and even in like, you know, times like today where you get a rainy day, what are our young people doing? What can they be doing in terms of developing themselves professionally to be someone that is useful to society at large, whether it's plumbing, whether it's electrician, whatever trade that it is that they want to go into and they are benefiting society and they are benefiting themselves by getting ahead. Um, I think that's some of the programs that we need in the, in the district and in the city at large. Yeah. And and that leads into the business creation, economic growth part of the ABCs. You got a like you have a wide range of businesses in the eighth district, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned earlier that the district extends all the way through the Menominee Valley, so you have like like a, a big industrial area. We've covered it on the podcast. There's like there's no residential no. stuff in the valley. It's just like all businesses and yeah. like pretty like large size businesses, right? But then you also have like Arenda and um, yeah, I guess other other restaurants Vanabon. that you mentioned, Velabon and like little little establishments right so there's a wide variety of businesses in the eighth district when you say like business creation and economic growth like like what there's a lot of there's a lot of different types of businesses to kind yeah. of like manage in the in the eighth district so like how do you manage that yeah i i think really creating i think really doing the little things correct first mm-hmm. fixing the infrastructure filling some of these potholes up um and making certain areas of the district, beautifying them, making them a little bit more attractive to people that want to come in and start a business there. Uh, I noticed uh, right before the valley, right off of Pierce, mm-hmm. some of those neighborhoods, they got small little businesses. The other day I went to, a, I believe it's it's a daycare place. That's just an example that I thought like, wow, what a great idea. Not only are you filling um, uh, home care, like child care services for people that are working in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. But it's like a really homey spot, and they had a little. They had an event the other day where they were showing them, training them on certain things or whatever. I think that really develops. It not only is it good for people and jobs creation, mm-hmm. but it also really adds that cultural aspect that we we're talking about, yeah. right? Changing the culture of the district, where before it was maybe you know gang written and all this stuff, violence, and now if we look at it a positive way, I think business has a huge say mm-hmm. in how uh, a neighborhood develops and the things yeah. that they're able to p- accomplish. Absolutely. Um, so some of the ideas that I have is. Let's bring in some businesses that people want and are going to benefit from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, aside from that, some of those city contracts that the city gives out, well, how about they come back to some of our business owners in the district, mm-hmm. where they be construction, like, you know, uh, LLCs, uh, construction companies, plumbing uh, uh, companies, um, 
electrical companies, whatever they be, small businesses, or even something as small as, you know, there's a backlog. We'd have to talk to the unions and different people about this. But, uh, you know, there's a backlog of 2,000 unfilled potholes at any given time in the city. You know, and people are like, well, it's, it. it's the weather that we have. And yeah, yeah, the weather's at one thing, but we have the manpower to, you know, mm-hmm. there's a certain, there's a certain, any given time, there's there's a huge unemployment for young people in the district, especially in our district. Uh, the city clerk's office, when I was, I uh, took nine credits last, uh, in the spring this year mm-hmm. at UWM, towards my master's in public administration. And one of the classes that I took was policy analysis and evaluation. And we had the city clerk come in and talk to us, and he brought these maps of these uh, concentrated red areas of high unemployment. And you, you see, you know, some of the yellow ones are less unemployment, but you see these really red areas in the district. Mm-hmm. And my question, I guess, to the city and even to some of the people that the department heads is like, why do we have these huge, you know, the, I mean, maybe I'm pretty sure the money's there. And if it's not, how can we create innovative ideas where, for example, if there's potholes to be filled, uh, why not get the young people that are unemployed, that don't have any work experience to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And how do people are like, well, where are we going to get the money? Well, how about we just be, we become creative and subsidize the cost with the people in the district? If people, if we ask people, would you rather have a bunch of potholes or, ha- or pay a little bit more money out of pocket through the neighborhoods, depending mm-hmm. on who wants those, to yeah. save, first of all, the life of your vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and <laughs> True. Right? I mean, you're going to pay for the, fixing your vehicle anyways. Why mm-hmm. not prevent, take preve- preventative measures to mm-hmm. fill those potholes and you're doing two birds with one stone. Yep. You're creating jobs and you're making your, your neighborhood more attractive mm-hmm. to small businesses mm-hmm. that want to come in. Because this is Bridge the City, we asked Christian about ways we can get involved with the 8th District or with his campaign. We mentioned places like uh, Street Street Life uh, Inc. Uh, uh, it's a nonprofit that helps, you know, if that's something that you're passionate about, uh, uh, stopping prostitution, sex trafficking, and drug use, and help giving people that aid that they need to, to get out of those circles uh that they're in uh but if you want to if you want to help on my campaign uh right now on friday actually we're launching our we have a facebook if you look up christian saldivar Mm -hmm. you'll find me on facebook Uh, but we want to create a professional page on facebook uh i'm i'm really old school (laughs) i'm Mm -hmm. I'm not big on social media but it's something that i've had to come to the realization that that's the the times that we live in it's important yeah Yeah. (laughs) so uh so we're going to develop that we're going to actually launch that and our website on friday Mm -hmm. so votesaldivar.com you can go on there and sign up uh to to volunteer or and you guys can put this on there you could just call me literally Mm -hmm. at 414-630-6023 i get calls all the time from people that want to help me do some canvassing some door-to-door stuff by any means give me a call uh i'm definitely open and and i have the time Thank you all for listening and continuing to support and build the Milwaukee community we love. Thank you to Christian Saldivar for taking time out of your schedule to talk about District 8. And thank you to the Milwaukee Public Library for letting us use their space at the Mitchell Street Branch. As always, connect with us to share ideas for episodes and guests through any social media platform or directly at bridgethecitypodcast at gmail.com. We always appreciate learning about cool things going on in the city, how action steps are being incorporated, and all of the ways that you are helping bridge the city.
Cheers to C.